You know, the culture is actually damn good. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, where y'all at? This is Trafalgar Square. Mr. and Mr. North of South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. Have you been drinking? It was a good show, huh? During the workday, when you feel possessed by amorous intent, may I suggest that you suppress it? Hey! 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 Hey, how you doing? Let's get in the conference room. I would like to invite everyone into the conference room. I would like to have a meeting in the conference room right now. I know for a fact that nobody in the Parks Department reads letters. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me Savior! Happy Friday, boys and girls. Welcome to the show. I'm Bob Matthews. And if you are are listening to us on the iHeart app, welcome, because we are delighted to be part of the iHeart Radio family now. That just happened yesterday. Extraordinarily excited about it. Very, very flattered as well that they chose us worthy of being part of their universe. So if you're new to it, if you love DMV sports, we are the place for you. And on a Football Friday, we actually are putting football into the B-block because, and and we have news uh, from Ashburn as well. Uh, but we got to start uh, with some puck talk because the Caps making news yesterday and not in a way that we had hoped they would. Henrik Lundqvist is out for the season. 38-year-old that the Caps signed this offseason to share the duties with uh, Ilya Samsonov is not going to be able to play. King Henrik announcing last night, in case you haven't heard, and I would imagine most of us had by now, uh, that he has got a what he described as a heart condition that is going to negate him playing this year. He said after lots of discussions with doctors around the country, finally receiving the last results earlier this week, I unfortunately... Will, uh, won't be able to join the team this year. I now need to continue the process to address and fix the issues. He didn't say exactly what the issues are. Obviously, our thoughts, prayers, and love go out to King Henrik and his family. It would have been a hell of an addition for the Caps this year. One year, million and a half dollar contract signed with the Caps on October 9th. That's a just a, over a week after he was bought out by the Rangers on September 30th. Now, what this means is. The Caps goalie situation, which was fairly stable despite the fact, you know, beforehand, is now up in the air. I mean, Lundquist was a great addition to the roster after losing Braden Holtby to free agency. So you figured it was going to be Lundquist and Ilya Samsonov sharing the net. And then whoever was hot when the postseason came up, well, he was, that was going to be the guy going forward. Uh, and now they have a problem. Fortunately, we have at least got some insight into it with one of our Caps insiders. So let's go ahead and cue that dramatic music, shall we? Capitals insider Samantha Pell joins us to talk all about this lovely little situation. (laughs) Sam, thank you as always for joining us. We appreciate it. Of course, always happy to jump on. I, you know, the last time we were talking, I said they shouldn't have let Braden Holtby go. Does anybody <laughs> listen to me? No. <laughs> Does Brian McClellan listen to me? Absolutely not. What, what, what the heck happened here? I mean, was this just a thunderclap that nobody saw coming, or did we have any inkling that that something was amiss out there with Henrik Lundqvist? 
Yeah, I mean, this came to a total shock, I think, to everyone, you know, watching his video and just how raw those emotions were. You could tell it kind of just seemed like a really big shock to him as well, right? You know, he said that for the last few weeks, he's been going through tests, has been seeing different doctors, and he just got the final test results back earlier this week. So this all really happened super fast. I'm sure everything um, wasn't as expected, wasn't as planned. I mean, to discover a heart condition this late in your career, obviously hasn't been detected before, wasn't a problem. Um, it's really concerning for a player like him and just a person like him and I'm sure his family as well. So total shock for him and the Capitals. Obviously, the Capitals came out with a statement that said they're going to support him 100%. Obviously, health comes first, but, um, you know, all the best out to Henrik and his family. But now it kind of leaves the Capitals in another sticky situation here. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, we're all I think everybody is still processing it. And obviously, everybody which wishes Henrik Lundqvist nothing but the best. And at any time, I mean, is is the question worth asking to the Caps, you know, why they didn't know about this when they signed him? Or is this literally something that that just kind of appeared within the last few weeks b before training camp? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a fair question, right? You think players go through routine physicals yearly, especially with the coronavirus. There's probably extra testing to make sure that players feel, you know, completely comfortable going out and playing and stuff like that. So I'm not sure. I don't have any insight on maybe it was just an extra test that they happened to do because of this upcoming season and something popped up. But um, yeah, I think overall, I mean, there was nothing that had indicated before any issues with Henrik and his health and especially a heart condition. So definitely a question that could pop up um, maybe in the future, but Definitely for now, just a, a major shock and surprise for the team and Henry. So for the here and now, the Capitals goalie situation, which was pretty stable 24 hours ago, <laughs> is now is now completely up in the air. Obviously, I guess this means Ilya Samsonov better be as advertised or else this team could be in a lot of trouble, right? Absolutely. I mean, this just basically solidified Ilya Samsonov in that uh, for next season, number one starter. I don't think the Caps really have a lot of options left out there in the UFA goalie market. Um, obviously, there are a few names. You think of a Jimmy Howard and people like that, but those seem more like a backup option at this point to Ilya Samsonov. And um, I think just looking in general, the Caps already have maybe a one-two duo internally. They have Vitek Vanacek, uh, you know, he was actually backing up Braden Holtby in the bubble in Toronto when Samsonov couldn't travel. Vitek already kind of jumped Phoenix Copley there on the Capitals depth chart. And if the Capitals kind of want to ride it out with two young goaltenders that they have faith in for the upcoming years, and this might just be a way to throw them both in and say, okay, we're going to ride you guys out and see how you guys do in camp. And if we don't like what we see, then maybe we go out and get another vet to come on in yeah. and maybe be that number two. But as you said, um, if these two, you know, if these two don't pan out, there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of help out there, right? No, definitely. Uh, the offseason did a number on a lot of these goalies. You know, you kind of saw the dominoes fall with, you know, the Brayden Holtfleet's and Matt Murray's of the world. Um, and now we're kind of stuck left with kind of just, I guess, the edge players, right? The players that you knew would be UFAs in the goalie market. We talked about, you know, like a Ryan Miller, Jimmy Howard but how much uh, are the Capitals willing to kind of go out of their way to spend there? And how much do you have to convince those guys about their spot on the roster on the Capitals and where they stand? So mm -hmm. I think there's going to be uh, probably a lot of discussions between here and the beginning of the season, which again, we don't know when it's going to start. So that's another uh, kind of wrench thrown in the plan, right? You can't really guarantee anything until we get a firm start date when camp starts and we can figure out if there's going to be taxi squads. Or the roster is going to be expanded. Um, so a lot of moving parts still for everyone. And I think 
this news for the Capitals is just, yeah, another thing in a whirlwind of years for the Caps, to be honest. <laughs> and, you know, scoring goals never hasn't been an issue for about 10 or 15 years. So we'll say it's never been an issue. It shouldn't be an issue this year. But now you start to look and, and you start to wonder, did they do enough on the blue line in the offseason? I mean, yes, you know, Brendan Dillon's back, but is there enough there defensively to help these two young goalies out, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's definitely a huge question. You, I mean, we can talk about the blue line first, right? Yeah. Um, you add it, you re-sign Brendan Dillon, you got a Justin Schultz, you still have a Nick Jensen, you got a Trevor and Reemsteich, uh, you got a Paul Ledoux, uh, you also have the prospects and Martin Faravari, Alex Alexiev, who hasn't played. Um, there's so many people on that crowded blue line that, yeah, maybe the Capitals are in need of a really true 12th forward option that isn't, you know, a prospect in Daniel Sprong. Um, that seems to be the likely option at this point, just because he's internal, he's cheap. They signed him to a one-way deal in the offseason. Seems to be the way they're leaning. Um, but to get that extra 12th forward piece that they need that maybe adds extra scoring, they most likely would have to trade a D-man or make some type of move um, that opens up some space since they're so tight to the cap. You know, the only thing I can I can think that might be a positive in the goaltending situation is if 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 Lundquist had played and he and Samsonov were somewhat equal, you know, maybe there might have been, it would have raised the possibility, especially down the stretch of maybe there being some dissension with, you know, the guys whose windows closing to get another cup saying, let's go with the veteran and other guys might saying, you know, no, we, we need to stick with the young kid and he needs to get the experience at least this way. There's not going to be any of that because it's either a young kid or a younger kid. <laughs> Right. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. I think there's pros and cons to this, right? I think the pros of having Lundquist around an organization like this, and especially Spansnov, is probably unparalleled. To have a goalie, I mean, to have a vet like that be around a young goalie for him to learn, for him to kind of, you know, pick up on things on the ice, off the ice. I know the organization was really excited to kind of see where that uh, relationship went, but you're right, you know, having Lundqvist not be on the team, having Samsonov know this is his net, uh, maybe that brings another mental edge, a confidence there that maybe he would have, you know, he doesn't have to look over his shoulder uh, every single day at practice. Um, but I do think, you know, at the end of the day, the Caps would want Henrik Lundqvist in a cap sweater for the upcoming season. Um, there were so many positives to it. Obviously, he was ready to go win his first cup. He was really dedicated to it. Everyone was excited. Um, but yeah, you know, long-term, maybe, maybe this will do some good for Samsonov. <laughs> How much pressure do you think this puts on Peter Laviolette and his goaltending coach? I mean, it definitely elevates it, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you kind of got one of the, you got the King of New York on your roster. It's kind of a steal. He fell into your laps. You're Peter Laviolette. You're thinking, oh, great. I got a Henrik Lundqvist. I have an Alex Ovechkin. Um, I got a John Carlson, like my roster is pretty much set. And now uh, you're kind of seeing the building blocks of the Caps organization. You know, you still have those core players and Ovechkin and, you know, Carlson, like we mentioned, but now you're getting those young faces and how can Peter Laviolette come in and kind of manage both sides to that, to make sure everyone's kind of on the same page, understands his coaching style. Um, it's definitely a bigger challenge maybe without Lundquist and kind of that veteran experience calming presence, you would say. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I got to give you props because I, I went and uh, followed Pierre Lebrun on Twitter. I recommend everybody doing that in addition to Sam. You're right. He, uh, he, he does some good stuff there on, on the restart. What's the latest now on the restart? You know, is January 13th still realistic or is that becoming more of a, uh, you know, more of a long shot every day? Yeah, I, I think it's becoming more of a long shot, honestly, each hour that goes by. I oh, mean, great. A lot of people were saying, you know, the end of this week, the end of this week has to be a deadline, right? You just look at the number of weeks we have left. Next week is Christmas, right? Right. Um, completely forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, like you just look at realistically, how are you going to get all of these players who are overseas back in their home rinks? Um, are they actually going to play in home arenas now? There's been some talk of all seven Canadian teams actually not being able to play in Canada and having to move to play to the U.S. So what arenas are going to house them? Uh, does that mean we're not going to have temporary division realignments? We're going to go back to normal. Uh, it just seems like there's been so many more options brought up in the last week or two that maybe the NHL didn't anticipate or didn't think that this would be an actual possibility. And now we're still deep in negotiations. Um, like you said, Pierre Lebrun said today, you know, the board of governors, I think, doesn't have a call scheduled for today, uh, Friday, but the players are meeting. There's no vote happening yet. That's kind of one of those major things where if you see that players or the board of governors are voting, that means everything's been finalized and we're just getting the okay from everyone. And then an announcement comes later on. Um, but yeah, as of right now, I mean, it's still in negotiations. They're still talking and you have NBA preseason games going on. Yeah. So uh, definitely a major contrast there. Um, I, I guess, and I guess the, the most important thing to watch is what um, Canada's, I guess they call them provincial health ministers, mm -hmm. have to say about the whole thing, because it sounds like that's, that's one of the big holdups vis-a-vis -vis the Canadian teams, and I guess even getting to move around up in Canada, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people thought, okay, to solve the problem of the U.S., you know, Canada border issue, let's just make a different division. Everyone thought this was so smart, so great, put all the seven Canadian teams into their one division in Canada. They don't have to cross the border. U.S. teams don't have to cross their border to go up and play Canadian teams. This should work. Um, you're right. All the municipals in Canada obviously have different governments, different health systems. It's one of the reasons that why when the postseason was happening, they couldn't go and just choose whatever city they wanted to put their uh, postseason hub in. You know, Vancouver health officials said, hey, you know, I don't think we're really comfortable with this. That's why it moved to a Edmonton and Toronto. Um, I know right now, I believe the Montreal um, health officials had already kind of said no to the Canadians. So now what's going to happen moving forward? I'm not exactly sure. It seems like a little push and pull there from the NHL and the health officials just trying to figure out what's best for everyone. Um, but definitely one of those more intriguing things that if it doesn't work out, uh, we could see Canadian teams playing in the U.S., which oh I don't think is the ideal. Obviously, the preferred option no. is stay in Canada. I think they're so. still salty. They haven't had the cup north of the border. <laughs> in, seems like forever. Uh, our, hey, last question, prediction on it. Um, if it's not January 13th, best guess from you as to when you think we might actually see the season start. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I want, like, I want to say January 14th. Um, I don't, I think if it's not January 13th, a lot, of, I would say anywhere in between January 23rd to February 1st, I think is one of those dates that I think is always stuck in my mind just because mm -hmm. the AHL has said February 5th is their targeted start date. And I always thought February seems like the more ideal month. It gives them more time to plan. Why don't the NHL and AHL kind of start in a similar time frame? 
So maybe they decide to push everything back by a couple weeks, get all of your stuff together via hubs, home arenas. Maybe if they start February 1st, they don't need hubs. And that's the consolation prize. That might not um, be a bad idea. Yeah. And, you know, you think about it, it's getting clocks ticking for this core for the caps. I mean, they're not getting any younger. You had, you know, last year was weird. If you have a second season that's weird, you have to start wondering, you know, how much longer can they keep it together? Absolutely. And I think I was kind of thinking about this the other day. I think of Ovechkin catching Gretzky, right? right. He's already lost a bunch of games to the lockout. This is another half season that he's going to lose. How many viable years does he have left or does he want to kind of deal with this um, to try to reach Gretzky's record? And can he do it just based on this amount of time he's getting older? It's not like time stops. Um, so yeah, I mean, this core is aging, obviously they want to do the best they can. I think the Lundqvist issue is a major thing. I think they're really banking on him to play, you know, half or more games with Samsonov to kind of help their chances. But yeah, definitely the shortened pandemic season does not help the Caps uh, or any team in any way. Uh, we'll definitely be interested to see how things are headed. Samantha Pell of the Washington Post, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You can catch all their stuff at WashingtonPost.com. And hopefully within the next few weeks, we are going to have a regular topic for her to write on and visit <laughs> with us more. <laughs> hopefully. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. And breaking news from Ashburn today, Alex Smith will not play Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. That means that Dwayne Haskins back in as the starting quarterback of the Burgundy and Gold. I'd say Ron Rivera made the announcement after practice today, but he really didn't. He left that up to the PR folks just to say in the injury report that Alex Smith was one of the guys that wasn't going to play this weekend, that was officially ruled out. Uh, there are two others as well that might be just as big, if not bigger, a deal. And that's Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Cole Holcomb, linebackers. Holcomb especially has been really, really good since coming back from an early season injury. It's a little bit of tough love, it's, uh, it, it seems like, that Rivera's kind of giving here. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to blow things up out of proportion. And at the same time, I think he knows that this is a big, big moment for Dwayne. The offense is going to look a little different, as you might expect this week. They're going to tailor the game plan towards what Dwayne does best, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, that's just that's smart. That's what you do. Here is uh, Rivera talking about that and hoping that the offense uh, is just as effective, if not more so, this week. We're seeing, his, uh, we're seeing him working hard at what he needs to work at. He's done a nice job with it. Um, you know, this is a this is a game plan tailored to his his skill set. What he does really well, we're going to try to take advantage of. Um, you know, and again, yeah, it, it, it's it's been a good work week for everybody, and we'll see how it all translates to Sunday. I think everybody knows by now that I'm I'm a Haskins supporter. I think that with time, he can be the franchise quarterback here. I think he was put into a tough position. And um, I, I kind of wish the front office didn't draft him last year from the point of view of this. They knew more than likely they were getting rid of a coach that didn't want him to begin with, that he was going to be dealing with a yet another offense to learn in an offseason. They couldn't see the pandemic coming, of course, but was going to have to learn his third NFL offense with a brand new coaching staff that had no ties to him to begin with. Again, they knew that was probably what was going to transpire back in 2018. He has had, not to mention the fact that 
his college starts, all 15 of them. It was a no-win situation when Haskins got when Dwayne Haskins got here, and I and again, he's got an NFL arm. You've heard Rivera say that repeatedly. I hope it works out for him, and I'm a little hopeful this week. What we saw last week and what you see every week. We talked with Robbie Duncan about this. When you have a quarterback that gets hurt and a backup comes in, the backup quarterback is basically running the starter's game plan. Yes, there are things that you are going to do simply because this is what in your offensive system works well against the opponent. I mean, those are the two things as an offensive coordinator, it seems like, you ask yourself at the beginning of the week. All right, who's my starting quarterback? And what does the other team do on defense? Let's now design a game plan that takes what my starting quarterback does well, marry it with what will work well against the opposing defense. And you drill that and drill it and drill it and drill it all week. And that's all you work on exclusively. And you work on it with the starting quarterback, not the backup. And a lot of times your backup and your starters have different skill sets, like in this case. This week it was all Dwayne all the time. And the game plan from, as you heard Rivera say, say, from the first snap on Wednesday at practice has been about what does Seattle do on defense that matches up with our offensive system, and then out of that, what does Dwayne do well? And that is what they've been working on all week. And the reason I bring that up is because if you go back and and watch last week's game against the 49ers, Dwayne was pretty effective in the third quarter when he had an opportunity to be effective. I mean, let's not forget, you know, he took the opening possession of the second half, marched the team down the field. Yeah, they didn't get into the end zone, but that really wasn't his fault. After that, the way the second half unfolded, you know, you kick a field goal on that possession, and then you get Cam Curl and the pick six to end the third quarter. Uh, In between that, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for him. And once you got into the fourth quarter, then things changed dramatically. And the reason they changed dramatically was because San Francisco knew they got the ball back to start the fourth quarter. They got to score right here, right now. If they do, they're only down Eight points, now all of a sudden they got new life and they're coming out extra jacked up. Not to mention the fact that after they score, and by the way, as we have discussed before, if it wasn't for roughing the passer call on Montez Sweat, defense could have stuffed him three and out there, would have compressed the game even further. But once San Francisco scored, and it took them about five minutes to get down there, now as an offense, with an eight-point lead on the road, and a backup quarterback in the game, your philosophy is a little bit different than it is with, say, four minutes gone in the second quarter. You're grinding the clock. You are trying to protect a lead, lean on what's worked best so far this game, which is your defense, and get out of there with a win. So we really didn't see all of Dwayne Haskins last week. Yes, he made a really bad mistake on that pass over the middle to Terry McLaurin that could have been intercepted. But you know what? It wasn't. And if you're going to play woulda, coulda, shoulda, 
Well, there was a woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, that's a positive thing for Washington. Could have been intercepted, but it wasn't. And from there on out, he closed it out. Would have liked to have seen him got a few more first downs, but considering no practice time with the starters and the 49ers defense knew basically what was coming every play in the fourth quarter, I think he did a pretty good job. He just met with the media, did Dwayne, as we go to press here. And normally I pick out a few sound bites for you to listen to. I don't want to do that today. We're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to bring you Dwayne's whole meeting here with the reporters on the Zoom call so you can not just hear the answers but the questions too and you can put everything in proper context and then we'll talk about it on the other side. To get this other start and, and to really prove yourself again. That means a lot. I'm excited for the opportunity and I'm looking forward to Sunday. Hey, Dwayne, um, how how key is it for you to get the full week preparing and knowing you're going to go in as a starter as opposed to coming in the way you did last week? Uh, I feel like it helps just getting an understanding of the timing and the concepts of what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, just being the backup or watching, you kind of don't get the, the full speed rep of what the, the, the guy who's playing gets in. You know, there's a challenge for anybody to go out there and play and uh, definitely harder for a guy who hasn't got any, any reps during the week. But excited. I thought these, these reps this week definitely helped going into the game plan on Sunday. And I'm um, looking forward to, to execute. Hey, Dwayne, uh, I was thinking back to Doug Williams said something in February along the lines of, you know, you kind of had a reason that you're the quarterback, but if you were to lose the starting job, you would kind of have to have a reason to give it back to the coaches, I, I guess. Do you feel like that's what happened? And how did you reflect on, on losing the starting job initially? That's another conversation. Uh, the biggest thing I wanted to do with uh, just facing this whole thing was come out the other side stronger. And that's what I did. And um, looking forward to doing that um, with how many opportunities that I get going forward. And, uh, you know, thanking God for being able to still play this game and have fun and, and be home and, and be you know, a place where close to family, close to friends and, and my teammates and just having fun with the game still and loving it. And I'm um, looking forward to just playing and have the opportunity to show why. Hey, Dwayne, obviously there's the uh, the reps you're getting in practice, but then there's also uh, whatever you're doing off the field to get ready. Have you done anything different this week as the starter versus maybe the first, uh, the early part of the season that you kind of thought or learned along the way? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing this Going into this week was preparing, um, preparing and executing as hard and as, as you know much work as I could put in as far as preparing and watching film, seeing the looks of what we're going to play against on Sunday, and um, you know just getting ready. I'm not quite sure what was going on with Alex and being able to just have an opportunity to get some reps and, and show that I can you know execute this game plan and getting ready for this game and you know excited for what we're doing and I'm looking forward to it. Dwayne, um, thanks for making time on a Friday afternoon. I uh... Ron said that there's going to be a specific game plan for you for Sunday. What does that mean for you? Like, what do you hope to see? I mean, what we've done so far, it looks pretty good. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward um, to just get out there and play a ball again, man. And at the end of the day, it's supposed to be about playing football. It's supposed to be about having fun. You know, I've been playing quarterback since I was 10. And, you know, it's trying to make it simple again, trying to make it fun, you know, trying to find ways to – you know, keep getting better, trying to find ways to execute and uh, find ways to get these guys to rally and, and, you know, keep winning these games. With everything you've been through since you've been drafted here, does this feel like 
like a second chance, like a last chance? How 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 focused are you on proving you're the guy now? I'm not worried about that. A chance is a chance, and you got to be ready for your opportunity, whether it's you know last week like how it was or any other week. Um, you know, coming here and things that have happened, it's unfortunate, but um, life is hard, and so what? Uh, get over it. You know, uh, best foot forward. So that's what I'm doing. Hey, Dwayne. In terms of the practice, where do you feel like you've seen, I don't know, the biggest growth for the difference or like some sequence where you really said, oh, yeah, I definitely got it. You mentioned that you work with the practice guy guys outside of the facility and things of that nature. Has there been any play in practice this week where you really felt like I really learned from these last few months? I mean, I can still spin it. It, it isn't never been a question about that. Um, really, just the biggest thing this week is just you know, getting back into the rhythm of, of, you know, what it's like to be, you know, can be one during the week and, you know, getting the reps and, you know, calling a certain play, having a certain flexion on this tag and, you know, having, you know, some personality, having some confidence back there, having somebody, um, you know, watching guys like Alex and, um, you know, someone who's, who's been someone who's been a stand-up guy and you can't help but root for him. So um, having him in the building, you know, him still being around despite his, his, his injury and still trying to do his best to help me. Um, you know, how could you not be appreciative? How could you not uh, want to be the best version of yourself for yourself and for your teammates and coaches? And then you mentioned that you were one of the people that talked to Chase and you were obviously somebody in his corner when you were when he was going through his thing. Has there been anybody that's pulled you aside or just said anything to you that really gave you confidence? Scott Turner told me that he said he believes in you when you went into the game and Ron Rivera said it's important for him to say that to you as well. But has there been anybody that's just said something to you that really, really meant something to you and really gives you confidence going into this week in Seattle? Myself, you gotta believe in yourself first before anybody else can believe in you. So I've been praying, 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 praying. Calling my my pastor, calling my dad, and you know, playing playing a little bit of spiritual warfare. So I'm excited. Hey, Dwayne. Uh, you know, maybe an outsider would look at this and say you're entering in a really pressure-packed situation in the middle of a playoff race, facing against Russell Wilson, the Seahawks. Is there any part of you that just says, screw this, this is fun, this is what I want to do, and you're and you're looking forward to this extra pressure of a December game? I mean, I like pressure. I mean, if you're a quarterback and you don't have any competitive edge to you, then you shouldn't be playing quarterback. And who wouldn't want to, who wouldn't want to play against the Seahawks or well, Russell Wilson? That's someone who I've been watching since I've been picking up the football. So, uh, well, well, any other game where you not want to play, so I'm just excited to be able to go out there, play against Jamal Adams, play against Bobby Wagner and that great defense, and, um, you know, Try to get after him. Hey, Dwayne, uh, I wonder how much different do you think you are as a quarterback than, than maybe you were earlier this year? Um, what would be the difference between me earlier in the year and me now? Um, I guess we just have to kind of wait and see. I'm excited to, you know, put all the work in as far as, you know, off the field stuff, you know, in the meetings uh, on the board. Um, and just feel like I'm going to be so calm, cool, collected, confident quarterback sometimes. You know, when I was playing previously or before, I was so caught up in trying to make big plays, trying to, you know, show that I belonged or whatever that is while I'm here. So it's just time. And, and kind of what prompted you to, to reshare that, uh, that Stefan Diggs, Ocho Cinco clip from earlier? Uh, I mean, that had nothing to do with being named starter or anything like that. Um, you know, that was a fun day in Miami. Chad talks a lot of crap. And, um, you know, we, he had posted that that clip, I want to say, in the offseason earlier. And uh, he tagged me. So I uh, seen the throw again. I was like, come on now. You know who threw that pass. So that's all that was. Thank you.
Uh, Dwayne, what you said that you've been watching Alex, I'm sure learning a lot from him. What is one thing that you have learned from him or that you've changed about your game these past couple of months that you think will make you the most successful against the Seahawks on Sunday? I learned so many things from Alex. I couldn't just pinpoint one thing as to be what will, will be a difference maker going into this game. Uh, kind of just um, want to take what you learned from from Alex or even from Kyle or you know, this, this whole you know, transition, this whole process and um, take the good and the bad and the indifferent and, and find yourself with it and you know find yourself where you have to be honest with yourself most importantly. And um, that's what I've been doing. And uh, I feel like you know having Alex around and, and learning from him to seeing his day to day his day to day grind, um, how much he focuses in and how much hard work he puts in, and I uh, just been matching that really, um, you know, trying to get here, you know, same time of earlier than when he gets here, leaving the same time not later than being easier, and just trying to figure out ways to, you know, he's been here for a while, 14, 15 years in the league, and you know, somebody that you have to look at and see, um, you've done it right, so just try to follow his footsteps. Hey, Dwayne. Um... You mentioned that you've learned a lot from Alex and, and obviously done some things to change uh, at the facility and off the facility. What is one thing that maybe you've learned about yourself during these last eight or so weeks that maybe you didn't know or maybe you didn't think that you had? Is there anything that jumps out at you? Um, I would say I'm, I'm pretty resilient. Uh, not that I didn't think that before, but, um, you know, you know, I lost my dog and some things happened over here and, you know, now everything that I thought was going to happen or planned or expected to happen and life gets at you fast. And the biggest thing you can do is just, you know, stand in fire and walk through the flame. And that's what I did. Hey, hey Dwayne, um, you mentioned some of the big names on the Seattle defense. Obviously, that's a pretty good unit. What do you guys have to do to, to contend with them this week? Just execution. Um, can't get caught up into the names or get caught up into who you're playing and Things like that. Uh, what's on film is on film, and you gotta, you know, execute the game plan as best as you can. And, and whatever Scott wants to call, I'm gonna be locked in on where the ball needs to go to, and protect the football most importantly. And you'll play great situational football, and I hope that leads to a W. Hey, Dwayne, what did, did what did Ron say to you to, to let you know you were the starter? Did you guys have a, a conversation, and when did that happen? Um, we've had a couple conversations. I uh, wouldn't be. You know, Dwayne, you're the guy this week type of conversation. Um, you know, Ron's always told me to be ready. And um, Coach Rivera does a great job of believing in his players. Um, so we had a couple conversations where, you know, we were understanding the situation and what needed to be done. And, um, you know, I'm going to make Coach proud. So my impressions of what we just heard, I think he has grown, you know, emotionally. He had to learn. I think he had to learn how to be a starting NFL quarterback which was not all his fault. Again, you go back to the history of the thing with only 15 starts in college and coming into the toxic situation that he did last year. He didn't have anybody looking out for him in that formative year last year. So he's had to take a step back. Now, if he can fix the mechanical issues that have plagued him as well, then I think he's got a shot. And I'm glad he's looking forward to the pressure because it doesn't get much more pressure packed than this. Actually, I take that back. When you think about it, this is actually a perfect situation. Yes, the stakes are very high, but the worst case scenario still doesn't damage Washington too much. Now, if Dwayne Haskins can win this game and then the Giants lose as expected, 
on Sunday night. Again, if the chalk holds, it doesn't put Washington in the playoffs, but it puts them right there on the edge. They would only need a win over Carolina. Again, another very winnable game. And they'd clinch the division. Wouldn't even have to worry about about Week 17. If they lose, though, they're still not in horrible shape. Even if the Giants manage to win this week against Cleveland, then they turn around and play Baltimore next weekend. Again, Cleveland and Baltimore both fighting for playoff position in the, and playoff spots in the AFC. Can the Giants beat one of them? Maybe. Can they beat both of them? I just don't see it happening. So for Dwayne Haskins, I'd say just go out and let it rip and let the chips fall where they may. All right, Mick and the clock on the wall said we got to get out of here. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Don't forget to download the iHeart app so you can listen to us every day. We'll talk to you again on Monday, all the post-game reaction that you need. So have a good one. Enjoy the weekend. And remember, like the wise men once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. Hey.